Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. This is Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 90s. On KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. And welcome to yet another edition of the Astrology Hour. And every day whenever I open the show, I've always got a, uh, a copy of uh, the How to Improve Your Life Guide that I, that I helped put together and the Sabian Symbols. And I also have the How to Learn Astrology Study Guide in front of me. And I also have today in the studio right next to me the man who did all the typesetting and computer organization for it, Kenneth Hurst, who is uh, also assisting in uh, helping me write the book Twilight's First Gleaming, which we're going to discuss after the show today, <laughs> so nobody will hear it but us. But anyway, uh, Kendra called with Saddam Hussein's birthday. I, You know, I don't give this guy a whole lot of energy in my day. You know, it's like, in my opinion, I'm not comparing them, but it would be like somebody saying, Farley, how much attention do you give to Satan every day? You know, I, he's not allowed in my... Uh, frame of reference, but if if people would like to know what Saddam Hussein's horoscope is all about, we found out that he was born April 28th, 1937, and I don't know, you know, my, my opinion here is the less people focus and concentrate on this guy, the less power and energy he'll have, because I think he's just on a major ego trip myself. <laughs> who knows who or what this individual is? But uh, still in all, believe it or not, Saddam Hussein has a Sagittarius moon. So in front of people that uh, he knows and loves, believe it or not, he's probably a pretty funny guy. He also has uh, Mars in Sagittarius. And he's a Taurus, so that makes him stubborn right off the bat. So you've got uh, a Gemini president in the United States and then a Taurus with Mercury in Taurus. And I just have to tell you, astrologically, there's no way this guy is going to budge with Uranus and Taurus on top of that. The ambition comes from having Jupiter in fall in Capricorn. And that's where he's trying to make a name for himself one way or the other. Biggest problem here is when Saturn goes over his Jupiter later on this fall, and that ambition will be tested. The thing that frightens me is that he has Venus in Aries, which is where the ego and the selfishness comes from. And uh, he has a Venus square Jupiter on top of that, which means he has terrible problems with women and money. And probably part of this uh, war situation has to do with his sexual frustration in a Freudian sense. I'm not trying to put him down, but he has a T-square on his Venus-Jupiter stress. Uh, Pluto in Cancer is opposed Jupiter in Capricorn. And this is where the danger to the world lies. You see, because Pluto rules death in Cancer, that's the public. Opposed Jupiter in Capricorn, that's his karma in his selfish ambitions, T-square Venus and Aries, his ego. When Saturn moves over this block later on this year, in fact, I'll give you an exact date when Saturn will go right around 26 degrees of uh, Capricorn on his Jupiter, oppose his Pluto, and T-square his Venus, which I tend to think that if this Persian Gulf thing is not resolved by then, then everything should hit the fan, and conveniently it's right around Christmas and New Year's for you. So astrologically, it doesn't appear the troops are going to be riding home that quick with a man with a chart like that, a very strange... Too bad he, he doesn't believe 
or have any astrologers around, otherwise he might sense the danger. Frankly, his own life is in danger when you have a T-square like that and the Cardinals with Pluto involved and Saturn going over his Jupiter and Capricorn opposing his Pluto and T-squares Venus. Also, the lives of millions of other people, of course, are at stake uh, with a chart like that. So there, I've given him some energy, but hopefully not much. Don't like the guy, <laughs> you know, and have a real strong idea where this gentleman's headed after this lifetime. I don't think it's to a higher place. We're going to talk about mistaken identity today and also what we would term as the false ego are the parts of our personality that we create that is developed is a result of conditioning by our environment, by our friends, by our family. It's really the part of ourselves that's not truly the self. And when you become spiritual, when you become clear, when you become more focused, when your soul becomes more in a purity sense, more purified, then uh, hopefully this false personality, this what I call mistaken identity, this false ego will be shed. I think that for whatever reason, as we grow up, we create this personality as a shield as protection. Somehow we create an image in ourselves, so other people think that we're strong or that we're powerful or that we can actually stand up to someone or something. It's like I, for one, learned to be tough a long time ago because my name's Farley. <laughs> Farley Maloris in school. Now it's Farley Maloris, but when I went through school with a name like Farley Maloris, and I used to wake up every morning and, and say, God, why did you do this to me? Why not John Smith or Frank Burns or, or something like that? But Farley Maloris was the type of name where I learned how to fight in the second grade. And if it wasn't for the fact I knocked David Carney out in front of like hundreds of school children, then I'm sure my entire elementary school, junior high and high school would have been a nightmare. But I guess no one ever forgot that Farley knows how to defend himself. Of course, I was friends with Virgil Akins, who at the time was welterweight champion of the world until he was beaten by Carmen Basilio. Virgil was from St. Louis, and he was friends with our family and, and such. So he taught me how to how to fight when I was very young. And uh, he said, you're going to have to know how to fight with a name like Farley. And, and right away, I learned to develop a tough personality that somehow still seeps through. Now. If you take a look at yourself, and especially, let's put a focus on people that have planets afflicted in the first house or that have cancer planets, afflicted moon, afflicted cancer planets, afflicted ascendant, or afflicted chart ruler. And an affliction typically means that a planet would either be in conjunction to one of the karma planets like Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto, or there be a square in opposition or a quinx, one or more to that planet. No matter whether there's any trines or sextiles, uh, this is a little bit of an advanced topic astrologically, but we'll get back to philosophically in a moment for those of you that know nothing about astrology. But just suffice it to say that those of us that are shown problems in the childhood, okay, that are shown problems with our parents, that are shown problems with people we know as we're growing up, sometimes develop this false ego this false wall, almost brick castle, <laughs> okay? We developed this energy around us that sometimes appears to be impenetrable. Now, I'm aware that a lot of us who have not healed the child within, the vulnerable side to ourself, 
uh, may walk around our whole lifetime in a state where we appear that everything is fine. We appear to be tough. We appear to be strong. You might even know people like this. In order to sustain this image of strength, they might need a scotch and water or, you know, a Jack Daniels after work. And that little numbingness uh, helps sustain the fact that everything seems to be fine no matter what's happening. But I have learned that true strength lies in being vulnerable. True strength and true vision of spirit inside an individual lies in a person being able to embrace this child inside of us, the fact that we all have a child inside of us, loving this child, releasing this false ego, this wall of power, of energy that surrounds us, and allowing ourselves to be sensitive, loving, and vulnerable without having to hide behind a tower of power. Now, you know, many of you out there without afflicted first house planets or without afflicted cancer planets or without afflicted moon or without afflicted sun or without afflicted chart ruler, if you don't know what a chart ruler is, it's a planet that is the ruling planet of this sign that is rising in your chart. Like I'm Libra rising and all Libras and Taurus risings have the same chart ruler. It's Venus. So you have to find Venus in your chart if you're Libra or Taurus rising to see how it looks to see if you might have developed one of these false egos. Now, you know, a lot of us just call it ego. So if you know someone that you feel is egotistical, or you feel like you're egotistical, or you might look at me sometimes and say, Farley, you're egotistical. Well, then you're taking a look at an image that was falsely created by me, by my parents, by my peers, by my environment as a protection because especially being a Leo, and, and like I, I was going to also add, if you have Leo, Aquarius, Taurus, or Scorpio, like Saddam Hussein, you know, this guy is loaded with the Sun-Mercury energy in Taurus, and he has the Pluto in Cancer severely afflicted, right? So he's got the fixed energy, the stubbornness, the arrogance, the ego of a fixed sign Taurus, and the T-square of Pluto in Cancer opposed Jupiter in Capricorn, and then Venus and Aries square both in a T-score aspect, so he has a classic example of a chart of a man that has to prove his strength and his power and his ability to dominate others and, and control and manipulate others at all costs. Now, this is not the true being, the true essence, the true vibration of a human soul. You see, we have enough difficulty as it is, as we grow from childhood on up, to try to overcome negative elements in the universe that we call negative entities or entities that would latch on to our chakra systems into our auras and walk into our bodies okay uh you've heard me talk about it before possession where where people have enough trouble trying to remain pure of soul and trying to remain vulnerable and trying to remain into a position where they don't have to dominate or control others to be happy or unhappy in a phony sense right that as you're developing your false ego as protection as a child because you're not being vulnerable and sensitive and spiritual and loving and compassionate and all those positive energy words, having a false ego or ego period is what leaves you open to being possessed, you see? Because you're hiding behind a false image that really does not exist. So because you're so busy hiding behind this false sense of power, the true side of yourself is totally vulnerable, and that's what allows negative elements to walk into your body and take over, right? So let's say somebody gets possessed and picks up like seven or eight entities, which is common for young children to have by the time they're 10. 
I'd say a four-year-old would have three entities. An eight or ten-year-old might have up to seven or eight. And some of them, if they're into drugs or alcohol or smoking, by the time they're 15, can have ten entities inside of them. So they've learned to develop this false ego. What they're doing is they're reflecting the images of their parents that also have this false sense of power. You know, the husband that comes home from work and starts yelling and screaming at everybody to show how tough he is, even though he had a bad day, instead of sitting down and crying and expressing to people that he's been hurt, that he has had a bad day, that he needs some love, a lot of these people come home in a rage, drunk or stoned, hitting and slapping and yelling and screaming, and the kids see this, and that's what they learn. They learn by example, right, that if this is the way daddy's going to handle problems, well, then when I grow up, that's the way I'll handle problems. I'll come home and yell and scream at my wife and kids and be hard on myself. And instead of being vulnerable, then I'll be a phony. Men, I feel, the reason why so many men are not as sensitive and intuitive and as psychic as women, in case you're wondering why we get an overwhelming amount of women calling the show, and a lot of gay men, too, are involved in listening to the program, because I feel, in a way, the yin force inside of a gay man would rise to the surface, not for all of them, perhaps, but they would be more in touch with a higher vibration, a more vulnerable side to themselves, because men, especially in this society, are raised not to be vulnerable. Men are raised not to cry. And many of the men, especially in the Western world, I'm not sure about the Eastern world, are raised not to show their emotions, not to show their feeling, but to be tough and to be strong and to create this false sense of power and domination. It works against us in the long run, and until you are aware that you are a big phony, and one day you look in the mirror, and maybe listening to this show or after this show, you come out of this trance from listening to the show, and you say to yourself, wow, Farley, like, Geez, all this time I thought I was a pretty powerful, tough puppy here. But maybe I've never ever allowed myself to be vulnerable and sensitive. I know some men and even women that have never cried. And that to me is tragic. For me, crying is just as important a process in my life as going to the bathroom, as making love, as breathing, as my heart beating, as walking, as talking, as listening, as feeling. I really feel that crying is like a seventh or eighth sense that we have, that we have tear ducts, that we have the ability to be sensitive and vulnerable and drop this false ego in order to be in touch with the love part of our natures, with the, with the sensitive God part of ourselves. You see, this part of ourselves, which is inside of us, which I call the messianic seed and which the Hare Krishnas might call the Godhead or which some people might call the Christ consciousness, is a very loving, gentle, humble, kind, compassionate, nourishing, nurturing element of ourselves. It does not exist in a state of comfort when there is a, an ego that is in front of it. It's difficult to allow the messianic part, the love vibration, the humility side of God inside of you to rise when you continue to act like a phony. And the tragedy of life on earth is that so many people not only, A, have these false egos develop when they're children because of, by example, from their parents, number one, or by example, from their teachers, number two, or from their friends because their friends will try to dominate them. So in order to try to protect themselves and in order to try to ground themselves, in order to try to 
survive, they'll try to act tough right back. It's like being in the Marine Corps. If you don't get tough, then you fail. And it's so important that we have this false ego. And by creating this phony personality that is not a real true part of our human selves, we allow ourselves to become possessed. You see, by negative elements, dark entities, and like I say, up to 10, 12 entities. And that's what leads people down a dark path. That's what leads people down a dark hole. And that's what leads people into an environment and an atmosphere of negative energy, a negative lifestyle, negative karma that holds them down, prevents them from being spiritual, prevents them from being happy or loving or godly, and keeps them trapped in this reincarnational cycle, which may seem hellacious after a while. So what is a person to do? If a person was listening to this program today, and they were sitting there going, yeah, Farley, I relate to you, dude. I do feel like I have this false ego. And I have been one not to be able to easily show my love and vulnerability and sensitive side. And I don't know how to cry. And I do have some bad habits. And I do have some negative philosophical traits inside of me, which might mean I have some entities there that have been misguiding me. And what am I supposed to do? There's a lot of work involved in order to, number one, remove these negative entities and go through a personal exorcism by allowing the Holy Spirit, the Christ consciousness, to flow through you, which takes practice, it takes exercise, it takes meditation and visualization and affirmation and lifestyle adaptation and adjustments. You can't just say, come into me, Christ, and then go light up a joint or a cigarette or have a beer or some scotch and go eat a steak and then say that you're okay. (laughs) You have to make the bodily adjustments and start treating your body as a temple of God. As a temple of the body, the human body is the true church. All these big monuments that are built with all these beautiful stained glass and all this gold and and all this porcelain and whatever else marble they use is a facade. In my opinion, I'm not sure, did Jesus have a church or wasn't the body his church? You know, it wasn't the world the church. He didn't really have a place where he took people, but people that followed him for some reason felt the need to build a building and bring people into it and collect donations for it to keep that building running. It's like a business. But the church, I think the point in the Bible was that the church is inside the body. And the body is the element that needs the input, the nourishing, the nurturing, the love, the humility, the kindness, the gentleness, in order to sustain itself spiritually and to find a true blissful state of consciousness. You see what I'm saying here? So maybe some work that people need to do is they need to adjust their lifestyle and remove some of these poisonous elements that are preventing them from having a church of God in their body, a temple of God, by purifying their body with fresh water and fresh fruits and fresh vegetables and grains and maybe cutting out eating some of the dead animals because you don't need to sacrifice or be carnivorous or be a bloodsucker anymore and cut down on inhaling smoke because the symbolism of that is almost very satanic and demonic, any kind of smoke and cutting down on alcohol consumption because it's poison, it's toxin, and maybe cutting down on things, other consumerism things like caffeine, like sugar, like salt, and just starting feeding your body natural things and and protecting your health, number one. Number two, uh, allowing the Spirit of God, the Christ consciousness, to come in through your feet and out through the top of your head, to rise through your chakra system on a regular basis, to create the holy vortex when you sit and meditate, and feel that energy rise from the center of the earth and the center of the universe up through your feet, up through your legs, up through your thighs, into your groin, and up into your spleen, and then through your stomach, your heart, your throat, 
your forehead and then out the top of your head and through you and over and over and over and over the circle of light they call that. That's the circle of God that goes through you. And then you allow that energy to flow through you and you remove the negative entities by praying and visualizing this power of God, this bright white light, and removing the black and the gray and the brown and some of the red energy, excuse me, by removing some of these elements and bringing in more powerful positive colors like yellow and like green and like blue and turquoise and violet and gold and just being able to allow yourself to be free and to be healed and to be in a situation where you can feel one with yourself and one with the universe and pure unto yourself where the temple of God has been restored. And by doing that, by allowing your body to purify and by embracing a purity of spirit, finally, then you'll be able to get in touch with this false personality that we've all created and you'll be able to start picking away at it and getting rid of this ego and this arrogance and this conceit and this selfishness and this need to dominate and this need to manipulate and this need to control and this need to be angry and this need to be hostile and replace it with a kind, gentle, loving, vulnerable, sensitive vibration. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to be loving and caring. It's okay to love the child inside of yourself. If you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? Has anyone ever authentically loved the child inside of you in memory of your childhood? Whether you have afflicted first house planets, afflicted moon like I have, or afflicted chart ruler like I have, or afflicted cancer planets like I have, or all of the above, where you take a back a look at your childhood and you say to yourself, did I really receive any love at all? Did I really receive the type of energy that I would think would be love? Was I around people that were vulnerable and sensitive and loving? No, I wasn't. I wasn't around people that acted vulnerable. I was around people that always acted tough. You know when they got upset, when they cried, when they watched a movie, or when somebody died? I think people can cry sometimes for no reason at all. And I think people can be held for no reason at all. I like to get in my 12 to 16 hugs a day. I didn't get in 12 to 16 hugs when I was a kid. How many people out there do? You know, a lot of people think the children are going to grow up by themselves. They're so busy worried about their own false egos and their own false problems and covering it up with all the toxins and negative elements of a society that they're frightened to love the child inside of them or the child inside of their own children or to help their children love and nourish themselves with this kind, gentle, humble, vulnerable energy. You know, people that have a false ego have my sympathy. They do. People that have a false personality and have a need to control and dominate and manipulate others and people that are selfish and arrogant and act so darn tough, like they're so great, you know, like Saddam Hussein, that's their karma. That's their problem. But the world will change, and the people on this planet will become a lot more happier and a lot more loving when they decide to plug into this messianic quality, this very humble, gentle, Christ-like vibration 
inside of them that is not phony, that is real. I feel no matter what your horoscope is, no matter what your karma or your experiences are, that many of you could correct the problems of your life, especially some of these things with career and relationships, by just starting to be vulnerable and by stopping the war. You know, the war goes on because we are conditioned to be warriors when we're children, because we're raised by warriors, because the warrior is in our nature from past lives. Attack, compete, win, hurt, maim, dominate, kill. It's everywhere. It's in the movies, it's in the books, it's in the news, it's in our lifestyles, it's in our environment, it's in our national heritage, it's in our planetary heritage, the history of this planet. It's win or die. And if you don't appear to be a winner or number one, then you're supposed to feel bad. No, I don't feel bad. I feel love. You know, it's okay to lose. You know why? Because I have love. Because I have sensitivity, I have vulnerability, and I know how to cry. And I know how to be real once in a while. Sure. It's tough to just dump the false ego down the toilet. It comes back. It crops up. There are setbacks. When you lose your temper, when you're really not being yourself, if you have some entities inside of you, they love that false ego. They don't want it to go because it protects them. It keeps them in there. Entities know that when love and when sensitivity and when vulnerability and when humility returns to a human being, there's no place for them. There's no room for them. That's when exorcism takes place. A good exorcist will be a being who will help encourage an individual to return to that sensitive, gentle, kind, loving, humble, vulnerable place in their heart. And that's somebody that will be free, truly free. Okay? The mistaken identity, the case of mistaken identity, the false ego, and the false personality. The topic in today's edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. I got a little choked up during this topic, obviously. <laughs> I started gagging and choking during the topic when I'm trying to bring you this stuff from my higher self. It's it's my body throwing off some of the negative elements, going, gah, yeah, oh, ah. <clears throat> because, uh, you know, this type of topic really uh, hits home <laughs> with me because I admittedly have been a really major phony in my life acting like a tough guy. And uh, for a long time, I didn't know how to cry. Once I cried every day for six months. Talk about orgasm. Whew. Man, did I dump some stuff. Once I cried in a meditation for about an hour, rivers of tears bathed my shirt and my pants, I think made a puddle on the carpet there. And wow, talk about a cleansing. That's what I call baptism. If you want to know what baptism is. We got a soldier on duty here, spirit warrior. And I'm Farley Malaris, and this is Astrological Metaphysical Radio. You'll note that we've just gone about 34 minutes commercial free, which is a tradition here at KFOX at 12 noon to give you more commercial free talk radio than hopefully anywhere in the planet. But in order to bring you the show, you know, in a humble sense, I must admit that there are kind souls out there that respond to our appeals. And Kenneth Hurst, what did you think of that topic today? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's pretty astounding, Polly. You've read that so quite well with my Saturn rising. Really? And uh, you look like you were kind of tranced out during most of the topic there. <laughs> sure was. Really? In case you don't know, Kenneth Hurst is in the control room with us, who is a wonderful man that did all the laser typesetting on a lot of the materials that you get, the How to Learn Astrology course, the How to Improve Your Life course, the Sabian Symbols, the Price List, and now 
He's working on on getting the book together that um, that I've been trying to write here on topics of some of our greatest metaphysical hits. So um, we sure love Kenneth a lot, and I'm going to buy him lunch today. At least, at least I can do. Anyway, ready to go to the phones now. Let's go to line number two. Lisa is June 30th, 68, a first-time caller. Hi, Lisa. Hi. How are you? Just fine. I just wanted to get a reading um, about my marriage, if I could. How long have you been married, uh, Lisa? For uh, approximately four years. Four years? Uh-huh. Well, you're kind of young to be married that long. <laughs> yeah. You probably are thinking at this point, gosh, I don't think I've done all the things I wanted to do before I got married here. Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, frankly, in your chart right now, the fact you've been married all this time, I have to salute you, because it looks like it's been a lot of work for you there. Oh, it has. And talk about sensitive and vulnerable. You're one very sensitive, vulnerable person that sometimes may need a whole bunch more love than most of us. Yes. And one wonders if you're really getting full pop, if you know what I mean. Uh-huh. You're going through a final stage here with a cycle in the marriage which may have a lot to do with whether you decide to keep it or not. Oh. Have you been going through that choice? Somewhat, yes. Mm-hmm. Astrologically, you're having a Uranus-opposed Mars the last four years since you've been married, and there might be times where you might have felt like you want to run away or do something you might regret. Uh-huh. So my philosophy is adaptation and adjustment when necessary in order to be blissful. There's no reason for anyone in this world to suffer. So, uh, including you and I, right? Right. So sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I would recommend you send for our compatibility package with your husband's date, time, and city of birth and your date, time, and city of birth before you make any kind of decisions about your life. That might help you both understand the relationship a lot better. That sounds great. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's go to Harriet on line number four, who is a first-time caller, a Scorpio. Hello, Harriet. Hi there. How are you? Pretty good. What can I do for you? Well, I first just want to comment on your uh, earlier topic, and I don't know, I can't say I've had the experience in the terms you put it, but I certainly have gone through transformations in my life that make me feel that somehow some of those uh, aliens... <laughs> entities. Entities, okay. Right. Somehow I've got rid of them, and I don't even know how. Wow. At least I know that my life has, has been progressively better. Good. So, uh, what about right now? Well, you are Scorpio, Harriet, and Scorpios do have that uh, ability to go through trauma and kind of rise like the phoenix from the ashes. You know the symbolism of the phoenix? Sure. Well, that's a sign of Scorpio. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, you've probably gone through enough where you've been shocked into reality. Right now, actually, you are shown some interesting vibrations in your life Somebody could be pulling a real head trip on you right now. Are they? Not that I know of. Well, look, there may be a possibility. I do have some workout that I've had in the works for a long, long time. It is possible, yes, Mm -hmm. now that you mention it. You do have a, a very gifted chart, a very psychic chart, a very intuitive chart, a very spiritual and a godly chart with Jupiter and Sag in 1924 and Mars in Pisces. You do have a part of yourself that I think is way beyond the material that uh, one day you might want to look a little further into as far as more exercising this gift you have about possibly healing or knowing things about people or about yourself or about your life. This may be a gift that should be shared. Are you aware of this power you have? Well, 
I write fiction. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> okay, maybe you channel it then. <laughs> maybe well, you're, you're I, I think I'm using it to the maximum. There you go. But I don't know. How's it doing? That's what I want to know. Yeah, well, you should have gotten a breakthrough this last couple of weeks. If you didn't, then I'd have to say something's going to bust in the next 10 months for you. But now's the time to knock down those doors with well, Mars trying your Venus. So, uh, so go for it, okay? That's what I'm doing. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. This is Astrological Metaphysical Radio Network. Time to go back to the phones and talk to our callers. We got Rachel on line five, who is a Gemini, double Gemini, first time caller. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Charlie. How are you? Good, and you? I'm really having a good time. I'm excited about the weekend. Good. What'd you think of the topic? I loved it, and I especially loved the part where you said that the, the real temple is your body. Because I've gone to many different churches and temples and didn't quite feel right until finally I went out into nature and meditated with my own body, and that did feel right. I think that's what the major lesson of Christ was. Where he used to do the majority of his preaching out underneath the sun and the moon, you know, mm -hmm. so I think that's pretty hot. But we spent all these money on churches and synagogues on this planet. I kind of tend to think that's enough money there to feed and clothe all the homeless and sick and dying people of this planet during the whole history of the planet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but who listens to me, right? So what can we do for you, Rachel? <laughs> That's a kind of an unusual question. Yeah? I'm thinking about having a child, and I was wondering if you could tell me when, I don't know if you can or not, but the best time to, to conceive the child would be with my chart. Mm-hmm. Do you have any children? No. Okay. Do you have a strong feeling that, I mean, can you see this baby? Can you visualize this baby? Yeah. So you, you kind of sense that there's a a being around you that's saying, Mommy, I want to come in. Soon, yes. I would have to bet dollars to donuts that because Venus is the lord of your fifth house of children, which is Libra, Venus in Taurus. I have Venus in Taurus, and my husband is Taurus, and he has Venus in Gemini. Right, and your Venus will be trined strongly right around Christmas. So I expect you to call me up Christmas or January and say, Farley, I'm pregnant. Aha. Uh -huh. You know, so uh, that's what I would think. But you see, in your chart, Uranus and Neptune will try in your Venus too, Rachel. So we're looking at two or three children here, maybe four. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just the first. I don't know. I know the clock is moving, as they say, but look out because you're showing some fertility here, okay? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, let's try to fit in as many people as we can in the next four minutes. Jesse is a Virgo Libra Rising subscriber. What's your question, Jesse? Oh, no question. I just wanted to comment that uh, you have been my, my professor of uh, philosophy for, for seven, seven years almost, and uh, you've taught me a lot, and this show couldn't have been asked for more. You must be psychic, because I said to myself, I wonder what Farley's going to hit today, and, and boy, and I mentioned this, this t particular topic to myself, and sure enough, you come through with it. <laughs> you have taught me so, so much in, in six and a half, seven years. Yeah, well, we help each other, Jesse, yes, and I, could, I wouldn't be here unless there were kind folks like you that helped me stay here, and it's a big financial nut to crack, but we're not a 50,000-watt WLS in Chicago here. Well, I so. have high empowerment, and uh, the awareness of what people can do to people and being vulnerable, I was very fortunate to learn at, at a very young age, and probably due to my bringing up, I was raised by nuns in a home. Yeah. And three years ago, I was diagnosed of uh, AIDS, and... Uh, I have become so aware and so into self and the healing of self. And you put a certain amount of philosophies of theology, philosophies, sciences, and all with a nice blend that you, you are definitely a teacher. 
Are you feeling better now, guy? Uh, yes, I am. I've well, been feeling great, actually. I'm going to constantly send you a bolt of green light, Jesse. <laughs> it's you. coming straight from Farley's brain and his heart to your body on a 24-hour basis from now on. So we're going to help you, and you're going to be feeling great. Okay, guy? God bless you. And I love you. I love you, too. You take care of yourself. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. God, that call felt really good, and he's a wonderful man. Let's go to Francine on line 8, a Scorpio Aquarius rising. Hi, Francine. Hi, Farley. How are you? I got about a minute and a half left. What's going on? Um, well, I was listening yesterday, and I couldn't call because I was in the car, but I was wondering if you could comment on my Neptune. It's um, Scorpio in the eighth house. Well, the illumination here oftentimes occurs when, A, either people die, mm-hmm. which can be a real big shock to your system, especially if it's someone you love a lot, mm-hmm. or, B, believe it or not, when you're deepest in love and you're, you're most intimately bonded with a person, Neptune in the 8th house is so sensitive and vulnerable, you can be literally destroyed and almost erased if someone should leave you or dump you or reject you that you really love a lot. Mm -hmm. So there's a massive rebirth that goes on when that occurs if you allow it to. Mm -hmm. Okay? All right. And also, something to do with money and power is involved in that too as far as being nuked and a revelation occurring there. Okay? Uh, All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm sorry I ran out of time and I have to run off with Kenneth after the show. And my good friend, an incredibly ascended being, Mark Backrack, is up next, a man filled with love and light. God bless him. See you all weekdays at 12 noon, everybody. Bye-bye.